So cheer up my brothers, live in the sunshine, we'll understand, all by and by, tempted and tried, I wonder why the good man dies, bad man thrives in Jesus Christ, cause he loves them both, we're all cast away. 
house fighting for my soul. I got no place left to go. Cause I got changed by what I've been shown. There's more glory than the world has known. Keeps me rambling on. And skipping like a cat. Loosed from his stall. I'm free to love once and for all. And even when I fall, I get back up through the joy that overflows my cup. Heaven filled me with more than enough. Broke down my levees and my bluffs. Let the flood wash me. And one day when the sky rolls back on us, some rejoice in the others fuss. Cause every knee must bow and tongue confess. The son of God, he's forever blessed. His is the kingdom and we're the guests. So put your voice up to the test. Sing, Lord, come soon. You guys want this? Ready to rock and roll? Good morning, church. Welcome home, church. Welcome home to Church in the Marketplace. A special welcome to all of our people watching online today. We realize many people can't be with us in person here at present, but please know we are very glad that you can be watching at home with us here this morning. We are continuing our series through the book of Genesis, and I'm very excited this morning. I'm very, very excited to be working our way through the story of Noah and the flood. I'm uh, very pumped about uh, teaching uh, my way through this story this morning. It is a well-known story. 
Uh, many of us have grown up hearing this story in Sunday school, but when you think a little bit deeply about it, you realize it's not really a kid's story at all. There's some really hard-hitting, takeaway, very adult themes here in the story of the flood. So very much looking forward uh, to looking at God's salvation in the midst of judgment and destruction through the story of Noah uh, and, and the ark that he was commanded to build and the flood that came upon the earth. Friends, why don't we commence with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, thank you so much for your presence with us at this time. Thank you for your presence with us at all times, Father. We say thank you that we can gather together here alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ and sing your praises and gather around your word this morning. Father, we pray that you'll make yourself known to us today. Father, we pray that you might open our ears and our eyes to your presence. Father, we pray that you might be illuminating this story, this well-known story of Noah and the flood and shedding fresh new light, new insights for us today, ways that we can take away and apply, and apply in our lives this coming week. Father, in the midst of our busy lives, in the midst of news of destruction in this land and around the world, Father, we take refuge in you this morning. We take this moment, we declare it to be yours, Lord. We are yours. We are your people. In this moment, come and draw near. Speak to us, we pray. Encourage us, equip us for the journey ahead. In Jesus' name. The people said, friends, let's stand and sing, Good, Good Father.
misunderstandings, hate running rampant, every man out for his own. It seems like we've lost our way, and the distance goes every day. Thought that we had it, caught in the madness, oh, ain't it tragic, but you said, if we turn from our wicked humbled ourselves and pray and seek your face should give us grace so come have your way god here we
new band. Uh, they've learnt a new song, brought us one or two new songs over the next couple of weeks. They've been rehearsing uh, midweek as well. So thank you for all of your efforts, band. Got a few notices and announcements for, uh, for God's family this morning. Just a few things to uh, remember. Firstly, a bit of OHS stuff. The building is, as you, many of you will know, in a bit of state of an upheaval. Just please be careful around the place. There's sticky floors, there's floors that have been ripped up. So please be careful as you're getting around uh, the building. That would, be, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. If you see something that you don't think is safe or something we need to know about, please bring it to our attention. Uh, please know this morning that we don't taking up an offering here at Church in the Marketplace. If you would like to still give physical cash, you can do so up the back this morning. Uh, you can also, of course, be giving electronically. The details are on screen and on the website. We're still needing some help, church, for our morning tea roster. We're back into morning teas, but we need some help. We need some people. If you're able to make a cuppa, we would love to hear from you. So please uh, come and see uh, myself or contact Julie. We would love some more helpers for the morning tea roster. I'd love some helpers for Bible readings, people willing to offer prayer. If you're not yet, haven't yet got a, a, a job, please come and see me. There's lots to be done here at church in the marketplace as we seek to reach our city for Christ. Bron, would you like to come and tell us about Camp 2022? Grab one of these mics. Hands up if you're excited for Camp 2022. I certainly am at Wedderburn. Uh, end of April, beginning of May. There you go. Thank Thanks, you very Bron. much. And I have a special guest announcer here as well with me today. Um, do we have a picture there? Oh, here we go. Um, okay, here we go. So this was camp last year, and our theme this year is Rest, Rejoice, Reboot. And I can see that Jono and Harvey there look like they're probably resting and rebooting, and then Diana is well and truly in rejoicing mode there with the rest of the blue team. <laughs> so that's just a little memory from last year. So, um, so I hear that you're coming again this year, Di. Um, yes, I am coming back. So last year was the first time that Jonna and Harvey came. So it was just a nice taster for them to come along to camp. So previously, I'd usually hire a van and bring all the youth kids with me. Um, but this time I had two extra newbies here. <laughs> That's great. Um, so for all the folks out there who might be thinking, well, you know what, I can hire an Airbnb and go away for a weekend any odd time, um, what do you think is special about, about church camp? Hmm. Let's see. It's us. It's the congregation. You know, come and, come and enjoy the time with your congregation. Get to know us a little bit more. Um, last year was just a day, so I wasn't able to talk to everybody, but because I do massages with Renee, um, she does the feet, and I do massages as well. So I'm going to do it again this year, but I'll be there all weekend, so Friday to Sunday. So my services will be available during that time. <laughs> what am I thinking? But yeah, but it, you know, honestly, book that whole weekend out. Come and reset. Come and reflect and come and rejoice with us. You know, there's so much to do at Wedderburn. Um, what else? You get fed. You don't have to do any chores. We won't put you on a morning tea roster um, or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, so come. Come and enjoy the camp life. Come and just reboot, unplug from the hustle and bustle. And, you know, don't worry about work. Work will always be there on Monday. You know, just come. <laughs> well, I don't feel like I really need to say anything else after that. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, so why are, you, why are you changing from a day stay to a weekend? Why are you... Uh, committing to the whole time this time instead of just a day for anyone out there who had been for the day before like what made you sort of change your mind 
Um, I think, it, again, it's, it's just the community that our church has, you know, I, it's, it's always, we're always looking out for each other, and again, it's building that relationship with God, it's building that relationship with each other, and maybe we can entice you to one of the jobs that Peter may, might have, morning tea, <laughs> cleaning, <laughs> you know, what events does Make a Difference have, what events does Connect Team have, you know, come, come and get experience, come and be refilled, you know, my cup was half filled yesterday, oh, last year, because I only came one day, but now I want my cup to overflow, you know? So, yeah, come bring your cups. Come overflow it with joy. How about that? <laughs> so, yes, come along and rest, rejoice, reboot with Diana and me and Jono and Harvey and many, many other, hopefully many, many other people among us. Um, I'm going to be out the back taking registrations and answering any other questions you have. You can register online, you can register um, with good old-fashioned paper form and some cash if you like. So yeah, come and talk to me about registration after church. Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies. I'm very much looking forward to resting, rebooting at church camp. Uh, we're going to take a moment, just a moment, to get to know each other a little bit. I met Samuel this morning studying uh, veterinary science at Sydney Uni. Uh, great to see Hiroko here again, missionary from Japan to Australia. We love that Australia is now receiving missionaries. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Uh, praise God. So uh, I'm going to take uh, just a moment. Oh, another bit of wonderful news uh, this morning. Mary, where's Mary? Proud new Australian, Australian citizenship. Congratulations, Mary. Well done. <laughs> Welcome aboard, mate. Great to have you with us. Andy and Oksana in the Ukraine are very thankful for all of your prayers and your support. Uh, Richard and Beth can't be with us this morning, but they did ask me to pass on uh, their thanksgiving on behalf of the entire Wills crew, uh, that, um, that yeah, they are very much appreciative um, for all of your thoughts uh, and prayers uh, as they look to serve God in that very strained part of the world over in the Ukraine at the moment. But why don't we uh, take a moment uh, just to say good day. Go and say good day to someone you haven't seen in a while, perhaps I've never met, and uh, extend the right hand of fellowship. Uh, you might like to say, peace of the Lord be with you, and respond with, and also with you.
I... Harvey up as well. Faith on us, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Hey? One of the dangers of having such a wonderfully social church is that you lose control of the congregation. I love being part of such a social church. My favourite part of the week is coming together alongside my brothers and sisters in Christ. Although it can sometimes be a little bit stressful, I love the social and the buzz. Hey, don't go anywhere, Harvey. I need to speak to you in a second. You do lose control of the situation. Uh, Are there any young people with us here this morning? Hey, Harvey, how are you, buddy? Good to see you, mate. Fantastic. Hiroko's young, young at heart, fantastic. Here's my buddy, Yuka. Come on, mate, up here. I have with me a little maid of mine. Come up here, bud. I bought this from home. Come and sit with me, mate. A little puppy dog. This is a little, uh, little dog. You like dogs, Harvey? Yeah? Yuka? Yeah, we love dogs. We've got a dog in our house. This isn't our dog. This is just a little, a little toy. But I bought a little stuffed dog because um, you can hang on to him. Does anyone else like dogs? Anyone else have a dog at home? Yeah. Dogs are very, very, very faithful. Can you young kids say faithful? They're very faithful. They're very, very loyal. They're very, very loyal. Dogs love you no matter what. Even if you're not a very nice person that day and you come home from school or from preschool and you're all grumpy. Do any of you young kids ever come home from school a bit grumpy? Yeah, I sometimes... I sometimes come home from school a little bit grumpy, a little bit hot. Your dog's still so happy to see you. They're all...
no good. So I hope that all of, both of you guys and all of you youngsters, you want my pack? Sorry, guys, just excuse me for a second. Uncle James is here to weave your magic with that, buddy. Why don't we, uh, why don't we pray and, uh, and then you guys can head out to Kids Club, hey? Let's close our eyes. Let's talk to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for Harvey and for Yuka. I want to say thank you, Lord, that you made them, you love them, you know them, and that you will remain faithful to us no matter what. You are a faithful God. You're a loving God. You never abandon us. So please help them and please help all of us to be faithful. Help us to exhibit the fruit of faithfulness, unswerving, unceasing, never giving up, always following Jesus as the boss of our lives. Amen. Amen. You can take that back up. It actually belongs to Mrs. Chapman. So you can give that back to her in Kids Club today. So have fun up at Kids Club, you guys. God bless you guys. And uh, the grown-ups are going to get into the story of Noah. Am I back on the air, James?
I am surely going to destroy them and the earth. So make for yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits high, 30, 50 cubits wide, 30 high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth and destroy all life under heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are going, you are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Chapter 7, verse 17 says, For 40 days the flood kept coming.
Chon Kiem Wai Dan Tuk Tai Bui Okay, but their cars and their house were submerged for a week Up chest deep, up to the top level of their house Look out the back door, there are story up and still the waters rose Up to chest deep, up to my sister-in-law was struggling today, aren't we? It was devastating I never really understood it. It's not just the water. Perhaps you guys are familiar with it, but it's the mud, and it's the stench, and it's the disease. Dead cows. You cannot save anything. I lost everything. It's absolutely devastating. So far from being a kid's story, this is a story of complete devastation. This is a really hard-hitting story. It's some really adult takeaway things. This is a story. God's judgment of God's wrath, but it is also a story of second chances. It is a story of God's justice, but also of His grace. This is a story of the devastating consequences of sin and God's gracious response. Ultimately, friends, this is a story about salvation in the midst of destruction. Before we get into it, I know another of you, if your mind works like mine, just sort of wanting to know what is the guy in front of say about whether or not this flood was literal, historic, or whether it's metaphoric. Okay. So if you've been wanting to know what's going on here, I want you to know that there are good Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, gospel-preaching, scholars and preachers take a variety of stances on this issue. Some scholars point to the fact that there is a flood narrative in many ancient traditions. It's not just here in the Hebrew Bible. And many of the ancient cultures talk of a flood. And so some scholars say, well, this is just the Hebrew version of a common myth. It is a myth that nevertheless communicates God's truth, but it, it's meant to be a parable, an allegory. Other scholars say, well, hang on for a second. The fact that it appears in many other traditions actually is evidence that maybe there is something historical and literal behind this story of all these different flood narratives. Uh, some people take a view, they sort of take a bit of an each way bend, a middle ground. They say, yes, the, the flood uh, was a literal historic uh, event, but it was a, a localised flood, that it flooded Noah's world. Now, before you think that's a bit of a, a cop out, I would point out that the Hebrew word here for world is in fact the same as land. So when, for example, the Hebrews take the promised land, it's the same word that's used through the flood narrative for the world. It's not what we modern English-speaking people think of as the globe. There actually is an ancient Hebrew word for globe. So that does lend some sort of evidence that maybe it was flooding the Noah's world. On the other hand, the text does give some pretty strong impression that the mountains are covered all across face of the earth. So there is different ways of interpreting it. Can I suggest to you that we be like Noah in this instance? We concentrate on the job that God has given us and leave the details to Him. Can I concentrate that we not be distracted by stories like this and that we concentrate on the main claiming the good news of Jesus Christ and make the disciples Jesus Christ and leaving uh, the rest uh, to him. Uh, personally speaking, I'm happy to accept that God is God and God can do anything he wants to do. 
Uh, I also want to concentrate on the stuff that God has personally called me to and leave God to the details. Um, I think it's okay to have some doubts about some things. Uh, I think it is a good idea to not try to force your preconceived worldview onto the scriptures, but to let them shape your own worldview. I think that we all can do well uh, to have confidence in the things that Scripture is clear. To be humble in our claims about those things that are, are less clear. So have I done enough to offend everybody in the room at this point? Uh, you, I'll leave you to, to take away, uh, go away, do your own research. Love to have a chat with you if you've got a, a firm opinion one way or the other about that. I love talking theology. Come and chat to me afterwards if you're keen to discuss this further. Whether or not you see it as literal or as an ancient parable that, that still communicates God's truth, remember what I said when we started this journey? I don't necessarily know that these stories from the beginnings of Genesis are historically factual, but I do know that they are true. Amen. They communicate God's truth to us, right? These are stories that communicates God's truth. And this particular story is a literary masterpiece. I hope you're uh, sensing my excitement about this story. This is a literary masterpiece. This is a wonderful story. It's been beautifully crafted. For example, this is, in fact, a giant chiasm. Here's a fancy word to drop into your next dinner party to impress people with. A chiasm is a literary device that the writers of Scripture and many other literary writers use. A chiasm is like a sandwich or a mirror image. A chiasm is where the writer introduces one theme and then his central theme and then goes back to his other theme. So it's theme A, theme B, theme A, and in the case of the flood, there's many layers. So it's theme A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, it goes... And you can, it's a little bit too small for you to see there, but these themes are returns like a mirror image. It starts off talking about Noah and then finishes with Noah. He then goes to his sons and then second finishes Noah and there's a, there's a mirror image. There's a sandwiching in the text with the central verse being chapter 8, verse 1, that God remembered Noah. So there's a symmetry there. If you want to come to me, I can print that out for you or give it to you. There's also a chiasm in the numbers that are used in this story. I don't have a, a, a slide for this one, but there's, a, there's also, if you look at the numbers of this event, that took a year, by the way. This is a, the flood, by the time it had come and gone, it had been a year. There's seven days waiting for the flood. There's another seven days waiting. There's 40 days of flood. There's 150 days of the water prevailing. And then we head down the other side of the triangle of the sand, which is 150 days of the water abating. There's 40 days waiting on the ark. There's seven days wait and a seven-day wait before they come out. This artistic piecing together is very deliberate. It's a skillfully woven narrative. And, and even Noah's name is kind of a bit of a clue. It's sort of a mirror image of the Hebrew word for, for grace. It's, 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 it seems to be a, a bit of a clue in the story as well, because ultimately this is a story of God's grace. It's a story of salvation in the midst of, of judgment. So let's quickly just race through the story. As I said, it's several chapters long. We don't have time to go into too great a depth. I'll leave you to read through it at your own pace. But I do want to bring out a few things before bringing us home uh, with some application points and some takeaway questions for us uh, this morning. The story starts off by really driving hard home the fact that the earth had really gone bad. 
chapter 5, which is a linking chapter between the story we heard last week of Cain, Cain's descendants, and Noah, eight times we'll hear this refrain, and he died, and he died, and he died. We're supposed to be seeing a, a, a real marked sort of uh, contrast to Genesis 1 here, which was, it was good, it was good, it was good. Now, Sin has entered the world last week. Hate and murder have entered the world. They're dying and they're dying and they're dying. Human life is being limited now to a year of only 120 years. Bearing in mind Noah himself lived over 900 years. Death is slowly taking its grip upon the world. In verse 5 of chapter 6, we... God really drives home for us the extent of the evil. It says every inclination was only evil all of the time. Verse 11 says the earth was corrupt and it was full of violence. The text could hardly be more emphatic. The the world had gone rotten to its core and God is grieved. In verse 6 it says God is regretted what he had done in making the world and his heart is deeply troubled. God is deeply grieved. It's not just a few bad apples. I want you to know that this Hebrew word, remember that your Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It's the same language you'll find written, uh, spoken in, if you go to Israel today, right? The the Hebrew word here for, for deeply troubled is used on only a couple of other occasions here. One time is, is when Jacob's uh, sons discover that their sister Dina has been raped, and they are deeply troubled. The other time it's used is in the time of Joseph, of Technicolor Dreamcoat fame. If you remember the story, his brothers sold him into slavery. He was ringing a few bells, and he makes his way down to Egypt, becomes highly important, and the tables are turned, and his brothers come back to him begging for food. They discover that it's their long-lost other brother Joseph, whom they have sold into slavery, who now has complete power over their lives. They are incredibly afraid. The same word is used. They are deeply grieved at this point. This is incredible grief that has fallen upon the earth. I think this is a little takeaway for us because I regularly encounter this notion that people are mostly good. If you come across this, no, people are good. It's only a few bad eggs that spoil it for everybody. Friends, please be very careful about believing that the human heart left to its own devices. Jesus himself says in Mark chapter 7, For from within, from the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, malice, pride, foolishness. All the things come from within and they defile a person says Jesus. Last week we heard sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have us, but we must, we must master it. We must master it. Has anyone here ever been to, the, to visit any of the concentration camps from the Holocaust of Europe? Yes, a couple of people have. I've never visited those places. What I have seen is the killing fields of Cambodia. Just brutal, brutal human evil inflicted upon Another, we human beings have a thin veneer of civility, I think, holding our society together. So please don't be fooled. Please don't think it can't happen here. 
And even when the people in the midst of a society mean well, the systems can become corrupted. Our systems can be used for evil. So please be on the lookout for evil taking a hold of this world and, and of your society. And this is what God has had to do. He's had to deal with this evil that has taken hold upon the earth. The world had gone rancid. Something had to be done. Now what we read is the exception. Just very quickly, we simply read that he found favor in God's eyes in verse 8 of chapter 6. This is important. Before he's done anything, before he's taken on this job, a colossal job of building this ark, building this boat, we read that he has found favor in the eyes of God. This is a picture of God's grace. And then we read of his obedience. His obedience flows out of God's grace. God is, is gracious to Noah, and then Noah is obedient. The rest of the story is a picture of, God, of Noah's obedience uh, to God. It's uh, time and time again, chapter 6, verse 22, he did everything just as God had commanded him. So another little takeaway, God is gracious. It starts with God, but our obedience is key to allowing God to work through us to bring about salvation. Uh, then, of course, uh, he goes and says, I'm going to establish my covenant with you. Right? This word covenant is another key theme, really important piece of the story. This word covenant keeps coming up throughout Scripture. A covenant is a really solemn promise, a really important promise. The word is stronger than simply just a contract. God is making a covenant with Noah uh, and with his descendants. And in the process, he's keeping his promise back to Adam and Eve back following the fall, that, that one of her offspring would eventually rise and crush the serpent's head. God is keeping his, his promise. He commands Noah to build an ark. I'm racing. I'm talking very quickly. I've got so much to tell you. This word ark threw me for many, many years because if you grew up in church, you grew up reading about the ark of the covenant. Are you familiar with the ark of the covenant? Right? It was a, a timber chest or a box that the Ten Commandments were placed in. So there was just like a, a timber chest. It's an, an ark. And, and rather confusingly in our English translations, it's both arks. These are two different Hebrew words. These are two different Hebrew words. This was a real light bulb moment for me. The word that's used for the Ark of the Covenant is just chest or box, right? That is not the word that is being used here for this giant floating biosphere, which is what the word here means in Hebrew. The word ark here... Okay, in this story, it translates roughly as biosphere or, or a shelter, and it's used one other time in the Pentateuch, the first five books. It's used another time as a shelter for baby Moses. Is this ringing some bells for you? What happened to baby Moses? He was placed in a little biosphere of his own, made by his mother, coated with pitch and tar, and placed where? in the water, in the river Nile. And why? To save him, to, be, to bring salvation to his people. Is this ringing a few bells, church? Isn't that a helpful little, little parallel here? You should also be thinking forward to uh, another type of ark uh, moving forward uh, as well. Chapter 7 goes into great detail uh, about everything that was said, or the animals. Interestingly, remember, it wasn't just two every kind. Some of the clean animals had seven pairs on the ark. On the ark, 
but everything else is destroyed upon the face of the earth. And in doing so, I hope you can see that God is in fact limiting evil. God is limiting evil. With something that's corrupt, it needs to be dealt with. If you discover that there is a cancerous growth, you have to get it dealt with, cut out, eliminate. And that's what, and that's what God is doing. It is his loving, healthy response to, to great injustice upon the earth. I'm turning on my TV and seeing tremendous pictures of evil of, from the Ukraine, of missiles raining down on innocent civilians. And there's a whole bunch of political backstory. But for those innocent people, they must be crying out for justice, mustn't they? I'm glad we have a God of justice who will one day put things to right. And I think when you think about it, we all actually really do as well. This is a story about God preserving a faithful remnant. Noah and his family are a faithful remnant. Again, that's a common theme right throughout Scripture. Uh, in the, remember, too, that in the Hebrew mind, in the Jewish people's mind, uh, waves and water and ocean and the sea is a source of great terror. The Jewish people are not great seafaring people. The ocean was always a symbol of, of chaos and of terror. Uh, Psalm 88, your wrath lies heavy upon me and you overwhelm me with all of your waves. But above the waves, in Hebrew thought, has always been the voice of God. Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord is over the water. So yes, the waves are terrifying and yes, they bring chaos and destruction, but over it all, God reigns. Amen? And we don't just have the waves, we also have the wind at this point as well. A wind gets mentioned. It's the same word. Thinking back to Genesis chapter 1, God's spirit, his ruach, his wind is over the waters at this point, we're told in this story. There's lots of echoes back to the creation story. You have the recounting of all the animals. You have the seven days. You have a prescription to exit the ark, which closely follows, by the way, the creation story. You've got a commission being given to Noah and a blessing at the end. Noah is, in fact, functioning as a sort of new Adam, an Adam 2.0. This is creation 2.0. And then this wonderful covenant for you and for I all of creation given at the end of the story. This covenant has three parts. God's promise, his covenant with you and I and all of creation. Never again will he bring floods to the, to the earth that causes such destruction. He'll never do it again. Secondly, as long as the earth remains, the seasons will come and go, come and go. And thirdly, a rainbow will be visible in the sky as a reminder of the promises that God has made. I've talked to you briefly about a rainbow. A rainbow is a wonderful symbol of the gospel, friends. You know, never see a rainbow on a solely sunny day, do you? So too, we never truly grasp God's grace unless something has made us see our own weakness, our own insufficiency and neediness. You'll only ever see a rainbow at the junction between the sun and the storm, where the sun and the storm come together. Again, something I didn't know for many years until I was an adult, this, this word for rainbow, we, growing up in an English-speaking country, we just call that 
bendy, colourful thing in the sky, rainbow. No, no, it's a bow. It's a warrior's bow. It's a bow and arrow. That's what it is meant to be. So in the original Hebrew, there's a, God's bow is in the sky. And significantly, where is it pointing? Away from the earth. God's wrath is now pointed away from us. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said, look at the rainbow. If it were pointed down, wouldn't you be nervous? <laughs> Spurgeon goes on to say that God has not, not stopped being a God of wrath and of justice, but he's now simply pointing his arrows elsewhere. Praise God. God is not naive, and he knows that sin will continue, but thankfully for you and I, he makes a gracious provision for this. You see, friend, Jesus is now the target of his father's arrows. Remember, Isaiah 53 says, By his wounds we are healed. The father offered up the son to pay for our sins. At the cross, the storm of God's eternal justice and the son of God's love come together. Jesus got the thunder and the lightning so we could have the rainbows. Friends, Noah points us to Jesus. God is a good God, a just God, but he must do something about the evil in the world. He must do something in response to the injustice that he finds in the world. And in fact, the great hope for redemption is indeed found in the fact that God does indeed judge sin. God's justice, praise God, will indeed be done. We have hope of salvation through judgment that we are in Christ, that Jesus bears the price for our sin. Did Jesus himself actually pointed to Noah? Did you know that? Jesus spoke of Noah. Jesus pointed back to Noah and said, look out, he said, just like in the days of Noah, people will be marrying, they'll be giving in marriage, they'll be going on about their life, partying, coming and going. When judgment comes, the New Testament is very clear that Jesus is in fact our new and better Noah. 1 Peter chapter 3 makes the link clear, talking about the flood being like our baptism. The floodwaters are like our baptism. We are submerged, we die only to emerge by God's grace to come out to new life. Friend, can you see the link here? Jesus is our ark. Jesus is our refuge, our hiding place. Jesus is our rescuer who saves us from the judgment that is swirling about us. We are saved by being in Christ. Being in Christ is a term you'll hear throughout the New Testament. I think it's a good picture of the story of the, this ark, this biosphere. If we are in Christ, we are saved. Jesus is the greater Noah who took the storm of judgment in our place and whose righteousness counts as, as our own. Many of our wonderful hymns of faith down through the centuries have, have captured this, this, this theme. One of them you might, some of you might be familiar with, my hope is built on nothing less than what? Jesus' blood and righteousness. Some of you are familiar with this wonderful hymn. There's a wonderful stanza that reads this. It says, his oath, his covenant, his blood... Support me in the whelming flood when all around my soul gives way. He then is my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. 
Christ is our ark who rescues us. He carries us over the wind and the waves, the storms of death and judgment. This is the ultimate takeaway from this story, I believe. The story of the flood is a story of God's salvation in the midst of destruction. Praise God. So let me ask you just a few questions in closing, a few application questions, regardless of where you stand in your relationship with, with God. Some of you might yet to be really trust, to have put your trust in Jesus as your ark, as your as your, your biosphere, as your, have you trusted in him for your salvation? Have you fled to him for refuge in the whelming flood? Have you hidden your soul in him? If not, can I encourage you, friend, take refuge in him today. It will be the best decision you ever make to bring you out over the floodwaters into eternal, abundant resurrection life this day. Do it today. Come and see me after the service. I would love to speak to you. But I suspect many of us, have indeed put our trust in Jesus Christ to be our safe place, our refuge. So can I ask you, there's still, well, there's still plenty of takeaways for those of us who are in that boat. How will I, thank you, how will I, like Noah, walk with God this week? If I had to start, Noah walked with God. How am I going to walk with God this week? And what big, audacious jobs have I taken on for God recently? Where am I been avoiding them? I've been willing just to come along and sit in a comfy chair for an hour or two on a Sunday. How do I need to be obedient to God at this time in my life? Noah took seven pairs of the clean animals with him into the ark for sacrifice and for food. What might you need to do to sacrifice to be with God? What sacrifice might you need to offer at this time in your life? Noah trusted God enough to play his part and to leave the details to God. But I think often, if you're like me, you're the opposite of that. You try to take on board everything and sort everything else out yourself. You want to control. Any other control freaks in the congregation? Noah's a wonderful challenge to us, right? Let go, let God concentrate on the job he's given you and leave him to sort out the rest. Noah waited, by the way, I didn't get a chance to go. There was an extended wait, by the way, between when the floodwaters receded and when they came out of the ark. Do you maybe just need to wait for a period rather than taking on a big job? Maybe he's calling you just to sit tight for a period and wait for God's word before calling you to action. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah, wonderful Bible verse. Do you, like Noah, need to step out in faith to act, even if the world mocks. Are you dealing with some, we didn't go into, but of course you know the story. These neighbors are making fun of Noah. This ark, some expert, I read anywhere between 40 to 100 years to build this thing. It wasn't a boat, by the way. It was just probably a large, anyway. But what do you need to do to step out in faith, despite of the mocking going on around you in the world? So friends, this story is a story of both the fearful wrath of God and the amazing grace of God, can you confidently say that you've truly grasped onto both for yourself this day, knowing that, yes, God is a God of justice, but he's a God of grace. Noah and his family are depicted as the faithful remnant. Do you sometimes feel the same way as though you're the only one, that you're one of the faithful few? If so, know that the wait might indeed be long, as it was for Noah. But deliverance is certain. 
when we hold fast to God, who is good and just and who keeps his promises. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to learn from Noah. Just to be like Noah in that we are like Jesus. Help us to take our refuge in Jesus. Help us to put our trust in Jesus Christ as our refuge to carry us over the wind and the waves, the storms of this life. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee, Father. Father, we thank you. We praise you that you are a good God. You're a just God. You're a mighty God. You deal with injustice and evil in the world. Father, we pray for the strength to leave that with you. We pray for the strength to leave vengeance with you, Father. We pray that you might give us the strength and the wisdom and the discerning to know what it is that you are calling us to this day. What project are you calling us to? Where are you calling us to sit tight and to wait and to listen for your call? Father, help us to take hold of your promise, your covenant, that your wrath is now pointed away from us towards Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of your Son. Help each of us to put our trust in him, our hope in him this day. In Jesus' name. The people said... Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come forward. They're going to indeed sing Amazing Grace. What a wonderful song uh, to sing at this point. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Let's stand and sing.
to remain in place. So I do want to take a seat very briefly and offer some prayers for our world. We could be offering prayers for those enduring, recovering from indeed floodwaters, prayers for those enduring warfare. Let's lift up uh, to God all the broken nations and people in our world. Let's pray. Yes, loving Heavenly Father, we say, uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your endless grace, your amazing grace. Thank you that you are forever ours, Father. We lift up to you those people and places that are on our hearts at this time. We do think of those people who have endured tremendous flooding over these past couple of weeks, who have lost everything. Entire towns, Father. Power gone. It's starting again, starting afresh, completely wiped out. Our Such a huge job, Lord. We seem so far away, but Father, you're able to act, so please be working through the emergency services, be working through the armed forces that are there now, cleaning up, through government agencies, Lord, through, through independent organizations and individuals, Father. We pray that they might indeed be able to recover and to rebuild. We think in particular of those families that have suffered loss of life. healing and bring peace, we pray. Bring healing and bring peace to our world, Lord. Bring healing and peace to the nations. Wherever men make war, Father, may you come and bring your peace. Put an end to the suffering of the innocent, Father. Break into this situation, in particular in the Ukraine, we pray. Put an end to suffering. But wherever, Lord, violence holds sway, we're very much aware, Father, that there are many places in the world that corruption and strife are prevalent. They don't make our TV screens. They don't make for viewing that the TV stations seem keen to send into our living rooms, Father. But they are there and you know about them. So come and bring justice to the nations, we pray and bring healing and bring peace and bring laughter as we hear coming from the Kafwe this morning. May children's laughter ring out in this land and around the world. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen. Friends, let's uh, close. Our band is going to uh, lead us in another new song, Even When It Hurts. Thank you, band. Take 
Even when my time on earth is done, I will sing your praise. Isn't that a wonderful lyric to finish on today? Friends, go out into the world, making sure that you've put your trust in Jesus as your ark, as your saving place, your place of refuge to carry you above the wind and the waves, the storms of this life, to salvation from this life into the next. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore.